Thank you for joining us for a sermon from Sojourn North. Um, it's been good to be back in, in the Bluegrass State. We arrived, uh, I think, Wednesday, Thursday morning around 12.30 a.m. And so I think I'm now officially on Kentucky time. So um, things are a little less cloudy. Um, if I start speaking in French during the sermon, it's not, I'm not speaking in tongues. I'm just going back to the usual. This is the first time where I've actually, uh, we just recently went through this sermon series and I preached it in French. So I translated it from French into to English for the first time. So that's, that's a new thing. Um, man, it's just, it's good to be back um, here in Kentucky, the land of L8s. Can I get an amen for L8s? And barbecue and Mexican food. Um, that's been our first three meals. Um, maybe this morning you're a Christian or a non-Christian, and you're just thinking, um, if I could just do fill in the blank, I would be accepted by God. So you've created these rules for your personal life, your, your professional life, your spiritual life, thinking, if I could just get this right, then somehow I would be accepted by God. Um, today we're going to be looking at Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7, um, and we're going to be joining a, a sermon series that I, that I shared um, that we've been doing this summer called uh, Les Versets Bibliques qui m'ont changé, the, the Bible verses that have changed me. And for me, this, this verse, this passage, has completely changed the way in which uh, I understand uh, my role as a follower of Christ, but also my own personal relationship with the Lord. Um, this morning, we want to dive in into how believing and accepting our adoption as sons and daughters can transform our lives. Um, and to be transparent with you, I don't think this is something I, I truly understand when I was understood when I was uh, growing up in the church. My dad was a pastor, and um, growing up in the church, uh, youth group, university, even early on, um, even as an elder. Um, and so I think a lot of part of my um, life with Christ was lived more like an orphan than a child of God. And so today, what we want to look at is this passage. Uh, Paul writes it to the Galatians um, as a warning. It's a warning to, to remember what the true gospel is. Um, what was going on in the culture at the time was there was barriers that were being um, presented that were hurting people from understanding what the gospel truly was. Um, there were racial barriers between uh, men and women. There was racial barriers between uh, slaves and free. Uh, there was barriers between uh, just Greeks and Jews. And so all these different barriers that were people were accepting Christ, they were understanding the gospel, and then um, in their own cultural context, but what was happening is they were adding in different um, elements in addition to the gospel. It was the gospel plus something else. Sometimes it was the gospel plus circumcision. Sometimes it was the gospel plus works. But it was gospel plus something else equals the salvation. And the good news for the early church then, and the good news for us today, is that we are saved and justified by grace alone, through faith alone, through Christ alone. And that's the message of Galatians that you find in chapters 1 through 3. And it's the power that we have as adopted sons and daughters of God. Your adoption as sons of God is filled with purpose. It's filled with position. It's filled with presence and promise. Those are the four points this morning. 
purpose. Verse 4. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. You see, God's purpose precedes our position. Our new position as a child of God is a result of how God purposed Jesus through the justification of our sins through faith in him and in Christ alone. Before the creation of the world, before God ever sent Jesus here on earth, he purposed uh, this in the life of Jesus. Jesus wasn't just an option B. He wasn't the alternative plan. All the events to the Old Testament point to Jesus. And so it's interesting when you find that if Jesus is the climax of everything that we understand as a Christian, that he sends Jesus into this Greco-Roman context that we find in the Church of Galatia, where now all of a sudden you have trade routes, you have the ability to communicate um, in, in more universal languages, you have the opportunities to evangelize as, as the Christianity was growing rapidly. But you also see this thirst and hunger from, the, from several of the Jews that were wanting and seeking a Messiah that would free them from the occupation that they were experiencing under the Roman rule. And so God sent his divine son, Jesus, here on earth, born of a virgin, so that he could be under the law as human with flesh and bones, so that he could die on the cross and three days rise again. If we confess our faith in Jesus, in this Jesus that came here on the earth, we too can have eternal life through him um, because he lived the perfect life that we can't live, that we will never live. But God sees us through him and through what he's accomplished. And that understanding of what Jesus did, Martin Luther says, that's, that's exactly the doctrine of justification. And it's where the church is able to stand. And without that doctrine of justification, the church falls. Calvin said it's the hinge on which everything turns. By grace, through faith, we are right before God. Not on the basis of the righteousness or or that next thing that we can do, but just through Christ alone, who sits at the right hand of God. And the thing is, the more we grow in the confidence that it's all through what Christ did, the more we can trust and persevere in our life today, in, in many of the, some of the songs that we were singing this morning, trusting that his time and purpose outweighs what we're feeling present, in the present. It's a powerful tool to persevere in the trials of life, knowing and understanding God's purpose in Jesus. And I was reminded of this when we were sitting on the tarmac this week after rushing and not eating lunch and getting on the plane and you know how sometimes you get on the plane and you board and then you sit on the tarmac for an hour and a half that's what we did um we did it in leon and then we did it in london and and i lost my emergency exit seat which is like first class for the economy for the poor man right and so i'm folded up like a lawn chair in the back waiting for an hour and a half to fly out And I was thinking, man, that is exactly why um, we have to trust in God's purposes. Because sometimes we're sitting on this plane of life, and we see everyone taking off, and we see everyone landing, and we're like, why, God? Why not me? Why not now? And that's when we can trust in God's purposes for our life and the purposes that are found in Jesus. Paul, but Paul doesn't just stop there. He doesn't just say, hey, it's all about Jesus. It's all about what God did through him in verse 5. But he goes on to talk about our position that's found in verse 5. 
5. To redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. You see, our new position is based on God's love for his adopted children. It's based on his love for us as children. And I don't know about you, maybe this is a bad image, but when I think of adoption, I think of this couple that maybe have have dealt with infertility for years. And so for the first time now, they have this baby in their arms, and they're just thanking the Lord for, for this gift that God's given them. Or I think about those gotcha days where you see uh, this family that's now um, officially they have a new child with their name and it's their gotcha day. But I think, I don't think that's necessarily the, the, the vision that Paul has in this passage. Um, I don't think it's as sentimental maybe or, or as beautiful as an image as, as those are. Um, what Paul is looking at is maybe a little bit closer to what we see in Ephesians 2 verses 1 through 3. Where he says, you were dead in your trespasses and sin in which you were once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that's now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. See, when, when God adopts us, he doesn't just see this beautiful baby, but he also sees us dead in our trespasses and sins. He sees us living out the passions of our flesh. He sees us carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. He sees the nature of the children of wrath. And in all that, he places his affections on us. He places his affections on us through Jesus. Despite the evil that we chose yesterday and despite the evil that we'll choose tomorrow, he places his affections on us as a loving father. What we see in verse 5 isn't just some legal judgment, which, you know, I grew up thinking it's just, okay, now we're justified in Christ. And, and there, there's truth to that. But it's also this loving father that's sending his loving grace through his son Jesus for his children as a loving father. The good news of our adoption refers not just to this justification, but into the richer relationship that we can find in him through our new position found in him. J.I. Packer puts it this way. He says, God not only says that you're not guilty in Christ, but he comes down from his bench and after his judgment and literally takes off your chains and frees you from your bondage and then invites you home as his son for a feast. Maybe some barbecue in L.A., so I don't know. But he invites you home as his son. He says, he continues, To be in good standing with God the judge is a great thing. But to be loved and cared for by God the Father is an even greater one. Are you experiencing the love of God the Father through Jesus this morning? Unlike any other God of other religions, um, God has always been love. And he's always been in community with the Son and the Spirit. We don't worship a lone ranger God in isolation. God has always been in community, and he's always been in relationship, a perfect relationship with the Son and the Holy Spirit. And it's through that love and through understanding that that we too can experience that same love through our new position and through the purposes that are found in him. You see, if... Our purpose and position are not based on our performance, 
Our purpose and position aren't based on our performance, but it's found in him. And every time that we start to make it about our performance and about what we can do to fill in the blank, we cheapen the gospel and we start to resort to legalism. And maybe you've experienced that in your life. I think it's, it's easy, right? It's so much easier to just think, if I could just do this, if I could do this, or if I could do that, then somehow God's going to accept me. Then to accept and trust and have confidence that it's only through Christ and trusting in his amazing love, a love that we can't understand, can't truly understand until he returns. The third thing we see is presence. He gives us a new purpose. He gives us a position, but more importantly, he gives us his presence. I love how you start the services every, every time we come here because we, we want to experience his presence. It's not just the truth, but it's experiencing a true relationship with him as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Verse 6, And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. You see, all who have been redeemed now have the ability to experience the presence of our triune God. If Paul doesn't talk about sons and daughters here, I just want to be clear, it's not because he's a chauvinist, um, but he's talking about sons because the sons are who receive the inheritance. The sons who received the, the, the cash at the end, right? Um, that's why sometimes the widows were some of the, the poorest because they did not receive the inheritance um, from their late husband. But here he's talking about sons receiving the inheritance. In the end of Galatians chapter 3, verse 26, he explains who the sons of God are. He says, For in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. He goes on to say in verse 28, There's neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither slave nor free, there's neither male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. So he actually goes counterculture and says, it's not about your race. It's not about your gender. You all receive this amazing inheritance from God through Jesus. How? By performance? No, through faith. And that's the unity that's offered in the gospel, that we can experience that presence that we all can experience. It doesn't matter about our economic or social or political standing. We all can receive his purpose and his presence and the power that's found in that. And that's what binds us together. Um, when we started our church in Lyon about five years ago, one of the first things we have to do is, is to set up these new statutes. They call them statutes. Um, here I think they're bylaws. Real fun stuff. Um, um, but what that does is that basically allows us to then present to the, to the government that we're an official church, they recognize us, and then we can move on. Now, when we are recognized and we have this new position, we didn't go, all right, now we're a church. Now let's do whatever we want. We, we put those in place so that then we could go deeper into the neighborhood, so that we could go deeper in relationship with one another. God gives us this position, not just so that we can be justified in our, in our sins and find grace through him, but he gives us this position so that we can experience his presence. And people are changing and lives are being changed here in Goshen, there in Lyon, because people are experiencing the presence of God in their lives. And they're seeing that played out in their neighborhoods and in their quartiers. 
the, the adoption that we receive isn't just the beginning of our relationship. It's not, it's, it's, it's just the beginning of our relationship. It's the gotcha day. But he wants to go so much further. And he does that through his presence by giving himself to us, to each of us. And we're given that new presence so that we can deepen and grow in relationship with him. So that our hearts will cry out, Abba, Father. You know, the law revealed that man's sin separates us, right? That we are separated from God. But God, through Jesus, the, the curtain is now torn. And we can have that experience and that intimacy with him in a relationship with him. Now we're captivated not by the law, but by his love. And we approach God with that intimacy to be able to have confidence in him and have access in him. When we cry out to Abba, Father, I don't know what the image you have, but I don't think it's necessarily this, this baby talk or Papa or Daddy, but it's that image of what you see in Matthew chapter 26 with Jesus. Um, some translations even say Abba, Father, but he's praying, you know, the disciples fall asleep, and, and Jesus is praying to his Father, and he says, My Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass for me, nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Um, as he trusts in God's plan and purpose for his life. Romans chapter 8, verses 15 says, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, whom we cry, Abba, Father. Abba, Father is that moment, you know, when, when you're with your child and they get a little afraid and they, they grab your arms because they find confidence in that touch and presence that you're there. Abba, Father is that moment when you're, you're just... Maybe it's a, a breath prayer of, Lord, help me. Be my strength during the day. Abba, Father, it's those moments when you hear the news that you never expected, um, that you never wanted to hear, and now you're saying, Lord, how do I get through this next day? That's the intimacy that we get when we're crying out to Abba, Father, and it comes through the presence that we experience in Him. And I think the danger is when we don't truly understand what that spirit of adoption is, and truly understand who we are as our position has changed in him, we can start to think it's all about what we do. It's a danger for me as a missionary um, that somehow every Friday in France I have to share with you something that God's done. It's a danger for every pastor that has to show how many people they've added to the role each year. And it's a danger for every Christian that somehow what we do is going to change how God accepts us except through his son, Jesus Christ. And we find it just so much easier to have confidence in all those things instead of the son that he sent for our lives and finding our hope in his presence. And we see that finally in the promise, verse 7. So you are no longer a slave, but a son, and if a son, then an heir through God. Maybe you're here today and you're, you've never received an inheritance and you have no um, expectation that you ever will. You can receive an inheritance today through God and through your relationship with his son, Jesus. You have an inheritance that doesn't just last here on earth, but for all eternity. And we can trust in that promise. It's the beautiful bookends of our faith, his purpose and his promise, so that allows us to live in the day in his presence based off the position that we have through Christ. Do you see that progression? Do you see how justifying 
are not based off of performance, but on what Jesus has done and what he's accomplished through the cross helps us to understand our position and our presence with him. Our adoption promises a future, he- trans- uh, a future inheritance that just it transforms our perspectives of, of how we look at today. Adoption by God promises this, the richness of a relationship that we can find in him in the present and the future. And I think the, the thing that that reminds us and the gospel implication is that means that God never turns away from his children. Um, going back to the analogy of the, the plane seat, I lost my ticket. I lost my seat. I, I was secure. I thought I, I had security in that seat that I was going to be able to stretch out these long legs and, and be joyful. I was not joyful, was I? In Christ, our seat is secured. Our seat is secured. It's not about what I need to do to fill in this blank. And that's the good news of the gospel. So whether you're struggling or you've had seasons of struggle, whether today is um, maybe that start of a new season um, that you hope that continues as you trust in the Lord, um, when you struggle and you feel like you've been turning away from the Lord, God never turns his back on you, on you that call him Father. And this is the good news for us as Christians, um, that he is love and that he will always continue to be love. And that he will love his children. I think the other part of this promise is that we're not just sole heirs. It's not just the inheritance that I receive as Daniel Wainwright. It's an inheritance I share with my wife who's a believer. It's an inheritance that I share with my family that are believers. It's an inheritance I share with you. It's an inheritance that you share with the church in Lyon. We're not just individual heirs, but we're co-heirs. And that's the promise that we receive in the gospel. And the beautiful part of that is that when you see all the documentaries and you feel all the pain that maybe you've suffered through being hurt by the church, you can trust in God's purpose that he still wants to use the church for people to come to know him. And that's what's happening in Lyon, and that's what's happening all around the world where people are coming to know him each and every day. Why? Because it's how God purposed it. And it's the promise that he has that every tribe and tongue and nation will come to know him. Paul was addressing those people that wanted to just gospel plus something else. And it addresses us as well. As well. We, we want to do that as well. We want to say gospel plus, I don't know what it is for each of you. They were creating a formula that they thought would give them hope and give them salvation. And that's exactly what we try to do today. Whether you're a Christian or non-Christian, trying to find salvation in something outside of the gospel. Therefore, what we do is we, we doubt our purpose. We seek to improve our position. We focus more on a performance instead of a presence with the loving Father. And we miss out on the promises that God has for us for today because we think life's passing us by. A person once asked Packer, what is a Christian? What's a Christian? And Packer replied, the best answer I know is that a Christian is someone who has God for a father. Who has God for a father. If you want to judge a person's understanding of Christianity, look to see how they work out the idea of being God's child and having God as their father. If that's not the thought that motivates and controls his worship, his prayers, and his whole outlook of life, it means he doesn't understand Christianity very well.
How do you understand your Christianity? Your relationship with the Lord? So again, if you're a Christian here today, if you're a non-Christian, and you're beginning to believe that if you could just do fill in the blank, that you'll be better accepted by God, hear the truths found in a loving triune God where we can have hope and find our adoptions as sons of God in the purpose that he has for us, the position, our presence with him, and the promises that we can find in the Bible for today and through tomorrow. Thanks again for listening. For more information, you can visit sojournorth.com.